Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. With Steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 11, The Not Rubber Meets The Not Road. I think this is episode 12, actually. I think you fucked up. But whatever. Anyway. It's one of the episodes. (laughs) We're obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes. You might not like all the words we use or the ideas we bring up. If you're sensitive about these things, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. It's okay. We still love you. But not very much. But not very much. Uh, We have a guest on today's show. This is a a dear friend of mine. uh, Has has I I plied her with breakfast to come and record. And we have now been wrestling with the various mic configurations uh, and audio bullshit for the last 25 minutes. So if this sounds like garbage, uh, I'm sorry, and it doesn't do our special guest any justice, but um, this is Amanda K. Bryan, everybody. Introduce yourself. Say hello, Amanda. Hello, I am Amanda K. Bryan. What's K stand for, killer? Ooh, that's a good one. Mm. Kathleen. 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 Amanda Kathleen Bryan and and what do you do how do how do we know each other we know each other through the cycling industry and what I do is I pedal bicycles to bike shops I work for the Kona bicycle company out of Bellingham Washington been there for about six years now um yeah I get to travel the country riding bikes drinking beers hanging out in bike shops if you follow Amanda on the internet machine, which I've begun doing in recent weeks, she does all kinds of rad shit. <laughs> she does. She's like I work in the bike industry, and I'm like, where's my rad shit? She's a, she's a stunt person. She's uh, she's kind of all over the place. Yeah. It was and funny. has much cooler friends than I do. We were Steve talking. Notwithstanding, we were talking uh, at some point, <clears throat> and. She was like, I was kind of marveling at like these cool trips that she'd do and she would just peace out and go be in the woods by herself. And um, I was, you know, impressed with her bravery and in, in all of these adventures that she was taking. And she said, you know, like, well, for the for the sake of full disclosure, I'm actually fucking terrified in all of these things that I do. But, you know, she it's it's pretty inspiring to me. She does this amazing stuff just to sort of test her own boundaries and, uh, you know, I feel like I could learn a lot from that. Yeah. Yes. Doing things you're terrified of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of folks can relate to this, but, um, in the last two years, I realized that I have, I do actually have an incredible amount of like anxiety that prevents me from doing certain things like going outside, being on my own. And so, yeah, I'd say in the last few years, that was something I have been kind of trying to work through and spending a lot more time by myself on bike trips and just being 
out in the woods and kind of working through just fears that I have of just kind of being alone and out there a little bit. Working through some PTSD of a few years ago, I was stalked by a cougar in Pemberton, Canada. And so that kind of messed me up a little bit. <laughs> and so, yeah, working through through that has been it's been interesting. But yeah, for full, full disclosure, I'm, I'm just like a lot of people. I have heaps of anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to, to like willingly or willfully take on what I think is aversion therapy, right? You're basically like, I'm terrified to do this, so I'm going to go do this. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I that's wish you could see me though out there. Cause I'll like, it all started with just going for what I call woods walks with my dogs. And I have this really cute little, you know, three inch pocket knife. That's going to do a whole lot if anything happens. But the whole time I'm out there, I'm like walking and looking over my shoulder, <laughs> looking over my shoulder, the littlest sound happens. And like, you know, it's like the, my chest like flares up with that anxiety and I'm just like, okay, we have to just keep going. And I kind of coax myself into like 30 more minutes, 30 more minutes. So, wow. That's rough. I, you know, uh, I will say you're three inch. Like I would not want a pocket knife to be three inches into my body. Like right. I know it's just a three inch pocket knife. Like maybe you wouldn't kill someone. <laughs> God damn, that would hurt. <laughs> I know. I think uh, it's kind of bad, but I've also shared with steve that um, over the wintertime, I went camping uh, in my camper alone with one of my dogs. And the whole time I was replaying in my brain all of the things that I would do if somebody tried to <laughs> break into the camper and realizing that I don't have very many means to, of protecting myself. And I just came down to, well... I just have to be way crazier and more wild than the person who's crazy enough to try and get me in my camper in this campground. That's, that's prison rules. You just got to be, right. you got to out crazy the out crazy, crazy people. the crazy people. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, it's, it's a big deal. I don't want to, I don't want to get serious cause that's, you know, but my wife and I go to the woods together and sometimes she goes to the woods alone and I say, where are you going? She'll say, oh, I'm going here. I'm like, you always go there. Why do you go there? Because she feels safe there. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's this thing. There's this stupid thing that I never think about that she always thinks about. And I think for, for women, that's a real deal. Like there's a sense, I think, sometimes that anxiety is misplaced or um you know, these are irrational fears, but there's a level on which these are also, they are rational fears, right? Mm -hmm. They're real. Like shit happens to women. that doesn't happen to men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a very real lived experience happening that the anxiety is rooted in. Yeah. Amanda and I've talked, Amanda and I've talked about a book called the gift of fear, which I bought and then loaned recently to a, friend about basically honing one's instincts for danger and it's mm. a, it's a brilliant read i it's she's next up to um to read it when i get it back from the friend who is borrowing That's- it currently but it's a it's a good book that i recommend anybody read everybody should read and i bought this book and i've given it away now i think six or seven times uh, the Gift of Fear by a guy called uh, Gavin De Becker, 
And it's kind of like, you know, you have that sense. We as human animals have a sixth sense for danger, but because we live in the society that we do, we, they get, it gets dulled, you know? And, um, and if there's, you know, what's you to try to define or to try to recognize the difference between general paranoia and, and that there's actually something amiss, you know, Mm. and that can serve a person in a city and it can serve a person in the woods and not get whipped up into a frenzy about Mm. thinking about all the, all the things that could potentially go wrong. Right. Uh, you know, and, and be sort of cognizant of your surroundings. Yeah. It's good shit. Uh, I two comments on that. The first one is given the number of photos you've sent me where you're bleeding, I don't think you have any sense of where danger is. <laughs> it's the ground, the ground. Yeah. That's where the danger is. Yeah. You're not sensing it, man. <laughs> you're not, you're not getting the clue. I know where it um, is. I just can't other, seem to stay off of it. <laughs> the ground is constantly sneaking it's up on you. It's constantly sneaking up on me. But um, um, so, I mean, this is a, I think this is a super worthy topic. Do you want to get on to what we actually had agreed to discuss today? Because I like yeah. talking about this too. I mean, eventually we should get to what we plan to talk about today, which okay. is the not rubber meeting the not road. Yeah. And but... We, I, I, before we leave this, I want to say there's another book which uh, Amanda, which everyone really would find helpful, which is called Strike the First Deadly Blow. I already love and this title. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically like a how to kill people book. Love it. And, and what's great about it is it has the most amusing, um, like very rudimentary illustrations, like about like punching people in the throat and stuff. <laughs> Is it bad that I instantly thought of like my very sharp elbows when you said that? Oh yeah, you could definitely use those to strike the first deadly blow. <laughs> okay. It's about it's about anytime you're threatened, killing whatever it is as quickly as possible. Yeah, there was uh what not Phantom maybe it was Phantomas, it was one of the one of Mike Patton's bands that he was in with um uh Dave Lombardo from Slayer. I think it was mm. Phantomas. They have this like robotic recording of, of basically a like how to, how to yeah. tape, a how to how to kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> like if push comes to shove. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to kill somebody. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, so the subject of today's show, uh, Stevel told me this is going back a little while because it, take, it took us a long time to all get in the same virtual room here mm-hmm. you had told him fascinating fascinating things about riding a bike while being a female that well, there were maybe times to wear a chamois and times not to wear one it was i was kind of i was watching a story that she had posted on instagram and she was just talking about uh riding riding shorts or or chamois or cycling shorts cycling specific <laughs> clothing for a woman's lower half of their body and how she has a preference. And then all of these people started chiming in. And then it was just this this um, uh, kind of explosion of perspectives. And it was 
you know, it was pretty neat to read through and to hear everybody's different opinions. And, and, and uh, so Amanda and I were on a ride together a couple of weeks ago and we were just, well, a month ago, I guess. And um, we were discussing it and I just kind of, you know, having spent a lot of time working in a bike shop and trying to, trying to uh, set women up with clothing it just it became a it came um it became kind of fascinating to me to 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 realize all of the variations and all of the and having worked for a bicycle clothing company too and and having tried to maintain some foundational understanding of of women's clothing in the bicycle industry i just realized that it's there are a million different perspectives and a million different tastes and needs and because you and I both have penises, theoretically, uh, we don't know experientially what's going on here. So we're hoping that today, Amanda, you'll you'll <laughs> fill us in uh, and our listeners <laughs> uh, about what I think I in the notes I called the saddle vagina complex. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, so to kind of back it up a little bit, I, so I've been what I call chamois free for three, four years now. I haven't worn, I'm just, I'm not into chamois at all. Um, and it all started with, and it took me a lot of trial and error to figure it out. But, and this was something I, so basically I have been dealing with like saddle sores and like my vulva was just starting to get kind of chafed a little bit and kind of making the ride, the whole ride experience, not all that enjoyable. And so I kind of put it out there to the internet, the very small portion of the internet um, that I interact with just saying, Hey, vulva owners out there in the world, not everyone who um, has a vulva identifies as a woman, but, um, right. Yep. I was like, hey, all Vova owners out there, what underwear do you ride in? Because I, I'm trying to get this sorted out. And that was what like really cracked it open. Um, I knew I needed to kind of start deciding on saddles and really start experimenting. But it was, yeah, like Steve all said, it turned into this a way bigger thing. I just, all I wanted to know is like what people who are, have vulvas and they ride bikes and they don't wear chamois, what underwear do you use? And that just turned into so many people asking me to please share the list of underwear or like whatever riding apparel people are using. And then that turned into a lot of people asking me why I, I don't wear a chamois. And then it turned into saddle conversations. And so I, it was really surprising because the biggest reason I stepped away from chamois is I was struggling with BV, bacterial vaginosis, which anybody who's experienced that, it sucks. Um, there's, I don't know how much detail you want, but it doesn't make um, your vagina smell very good. You deal with discharge. It's really uncomfortable. Um, and so in sharing that honestly with people, I realized I was even having conversations with folks of being like, holy shit, I've been struggling with that. And I had no idea that it was related to my chamois. And I was like, yeah, I went to doctors. I talked to everybody like trying to figure this out, went to a gynecologist and everyone was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And it wasn't, um, I was doing everything with the chamois. I was like, I got sports wash. I used baking soda. I would put it on right before a ride. And the second the ride was over, I'd take it off like all of these things. And it was just something that I really struggled with. And once I moved away from it and moved to all cotton underwear, 
the issues went away. And then it kind of turned into like gooch chapping and yeah. And, and like saddle sores. And so, yeah, that was, it was interesting because it, it was wild how many folks deal with this. And I even loved it because like I said, I, I kind of put the call out there for Volvo people and, um, one person kind of slid in. They're like, ball owner here. Here's the issue that I'm having. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let me, <laughs> let me phone a friend. <laughs> and so that was, that was amazing. Cause I was able to kind of tap into another cycling industry, um, professional, uh, he works for pink bike. And I was like, Hey, do you, I I like screenshotted it and sent it to him and he had really amazing info and shared it with him. And Um, that person kind of walked away feeling like really grateful. So it's just this idea of like, we all have different bodies and we all have different issues and we, you know, we find what we're comfortable with on our bikes. Like that's, these are various things. I mean, it's even just the way you're sitting on your bike. That was another thing too, is like, you know, some people sitting way too far forward and way too far back. Um, but not being comfortable enough, especially for, I think, non-cis men um going into bike shops when like that's kind of what dominates the industry when they're walking into these bike shops it's really difficult to have a conversation with someone and being like oh yeah so like my vulva is like i'm missing some like skin and i got these gross bumps or like this is happening like it's not very comfortable to talk about genitals with folks and but oftentimes it's like you kind of need a little bit of that oh it's to help people absolutely you do i mean it's not comfortable for Anyone. I've gotten fucking shut down in bike shops walking in, you know, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it, what what it must be like for somebody and or you're not even going to walk in and, and um, you're not even going to want to you're not even going to walk in and talk mm-hmm. to, to, to some random person about this. No. So it's like this big mystery that's never even really been broached. Well, folks, that was a big thing is how so many people had no idea that all the saddle options because it's oh, they yeah. go in and they buy a new bike and that's it's not talked about you know be, of how and that's the saddle you get because that's what comes with the bike totally right. and like i mean i work good I, luck with your vulva yeah and i work i mean i i fell for it too i worked for a bike company and i didn't really want to put in like the time money effort because not everyone has resources to go spend you know 7550 bucks on a saddle for it to not work it's a lot of trial and error a lot of when trial you, go, and error. you know you can you can spend up to four hundred dollars on a pair of bibs and it's not like you can send them back and you can spend a couple hundred dollars on a saddle. And so, you know, and then it turns out, you know, I, I did do a little bit of research um, uh, and went into the local Trek shop and asked a buddy of mine used to work in a Trek shop in Berkeley. And, and Bond Traeger has a 30 day return policy on anything. And so I guess it would be with participating Bond Traeger dealers, specifically Trek, since they're in cahoots. But you could get a saddle and use it for two weeks. And if you didn't like it, you take it back and try a new one. And there's a lot of fitters I know who have like a saddle wall and will let you like you basically put basically you say, I'm going to buy a saddle from you and you plop down 50 bucks deposit or whatever. And they'll let you trial a bunch of saddles, which is helpful. I also I also think a lot of and I wrote the I wrote uh, this stupid thing for the website. um a few weeks ago it's a review it's i do these useless reviews uh that's literally what they're called that's i'm not 
being self-deprecating. I I wrote a useless review of the tip of the saddle. And the the premise premise was was basically basically like, who needs the fucking tip of the saddle? Like the tip of the saddle creates all these problems. And I know we're used to seeing saddles that look a certain way, but maybe the tip is not necessary. Maybe like that's where the friction comes from. And I'm not saying that solves all the problems, but there might just be a fundamental issue with what we think of as saddle. Yeah. And there's been a number of, there's been a number of redesigns in the last couple of years as well. I mean, the tip is, is good if you, uh, if you're descending something super steep and you, and you need a little bit of a, uh, what's it called? The kapow or the kachow, the kachow when you get the, you get a little poke. You get the saddle at the bottom. <laughs> oh, I see bubble. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The kachow. It's a pretty important uh, part of the saddle, too, for climbing as well. I know that in the some of the clinics, the coaching clinics and stuff, um, when we're teaching technical climbing, uh, one term I like to use to help people understand is to put the clit on the tip. Sure. To kind of like under to get people to like understand to like use terms, the right? saddle. It's a technical term. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, to you know, it's a lot of women's clinics that I help out with. But yeah, 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 to, yeah. just to kind of get them to like really think about like where you're putting your weight, you know, with your like yeah. bike, um, bike body separation and stuff. But and you don't realize how much how much the investment the or how much involvement the saddle plays in maneuvering the bike until you ride a bike without a saddle you know 100 percent. yeah this all is in your thighs and zigzagging zipping around <laughs> i struggle with the whole, <laughs> i'm an That's old so guy ridiculous. and i struggle with the dropper <laughs> post for this yeah, exact reason like oh now the saddle is gone and that was how i oriented myself yeah in the universe before i lose it i want to i just want to go back to you said volvo owners and i in my head i was like she's in a volvo owners forum and that's i I was gonna make it really enjoying i was gonna make a a joke i I drove i also drove a volvo in high school and then i was like no no i'm gonna refrain yeah oh yeah i was gonna refrain you're a better, so you're Jesus uh, Christ. So Sheila shows restraint and I go straight in with Volvo owners. Oh. I also just love that I'm talking about a Volvo and you both went to cars. cars. <laughs> well, it's because you said Volvo owners and I was like, that is Volvo owners. And I know, you know, I know the difference. Um, one has f- at least four doors, but, uh, we just I lost just the last really two know. listeners. They they just turned <laughs> turned us off. That was it. They were like, "That's pretty good, pretty good information." I'm out. <laughs> I just want to go. Like after we're done here today, I'm gonna go to the Volvo owners forum and be like, "I'm having trouble with my Volvo," <laughs> and I'm just gonna see how how long I can play stupid. Okay. <laughs> let's bring let's bring let's bring it back. Uh, Sorry. So. Sorry. Oh, um, want because we were talking. You mentioned the saddle library. Yeah. Well, yes. And so I wanted to kind of bring that back. Another thing. You were I able sh- to get. You were going to call them or reach I, out. Sure I did. I reached out. Mm-hmm. And so, um, there is an amazing resource in Portland, Oregon, Gladys. Really amazing bike shop. Uh, they're doing a really good job of just being 
like gender inclusive. It's and um, really beautiful shop too. I've not had a chance to step in it myself, but I've been kind of obsessed with that bike shop for a number of years now. They have a saddle library and it's that same thing where um, I did reach out and, but I can't remember all the facts that they gave me, but there is a, you, you pay 50 bucks or a hundred dollars and you can try as many different saddles out as you want. And then I believe that cost is applied towards the right. saddle that you want to purchase. Um, yeah. And they are also, um, they have a new owner now and I haven't chatted with them as much as I did the previous owner. Um, but they also do have a wide range of knowledge in terms of talking about what's going on with your genitals, what issues you're having. And um, are they're really good at giving really, really great, important feedback and kind of helping folks work through that. That's a really great w- resource down there. You can set up consultations with them. They're still doing it even with COVID. Um, and, and for all, for all genders, for everyone, all genitals. Yeah, all genitals, all wherever you are on the spectrum. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're really great. They're, they're doing a really, really good job. Um, I think I actually appoint a lot of shops when they're, they're kind of talking to me about how they can do better and expand, you know, like all of these. And that's almost always the first shop that I'm like, well, here's a shop in Portland that I think is doing a really, really good job. Um, so just yeah. in general, I think that that's, they are just an amazing resource. So I think also if you want to, if you're, if you're willing to invest in your, uh, genital comfort, uh, there are fitters that have pressure mapping. Oh yes. I just did this. Did you? Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm about, really excited. Yeah. Tell us about the, <laughs> tell us about the, the map of your undercarriage. Um, it was, I, I mean, it was an awesome experience cause I was like, I was comfortable with everybody in this bike shop. So specialized, they have this. Um, I guess it's probably like two feet long, this little black, what kind of looks like a scale and you sit down on it and they, they just like, have you put your feet up? If I remember correctly, they had me put my feet just like flat on the ground and then you sit on it and kind of like just move around a little bit and it totally, it measures your sit bones. So it gives you the correct width saddle. Um, and so then where is this, this was at fanatic bike co here in Bellingham. Oh, I want to go. Yeah. And so they, and I, for me, it was a really comfortable experience. Um, I'm pretty familiar with a lot of the folks that work there. Um, so it was kind of funny because I think I went in there after like a workout. So I like sat down and there was like a little small trail on their machine. And I was like, if you give me a spray bottle, I'll uh, take care of that for you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so, and I went with it. I got a specialized mimic um, saddle. They measured my sit bones. So I got like a 155. Right now I have it on my gravel bike. And I think when you and I went and did that, the tattoo ride, um, that was my first real ride on it. And I didn't have any like issues. I gotta, I gotta do that. I've just picked the saddle. I've been running WTB saddles for probably 20 years. And then they released the Devo and the Diva and they had Divas in white leather and they were a little bit whiter. And I was like, well, white saddle, fuck, sweet. And the, and the WTB saddle design has always been something that I really like. So it has the channel, it's whiter because my sit bones, like the old Bontrager sort of coffin saddles, I felt like I was sitting on my tailbone. I was just sitting on the bottom of my spine the whole time. Yeah. So, um, because my pelvis, I guess my sit bones are a little bit wider, but I, it's just been, it's just been a kind of a crapshoot. 
And in the last two years, I've developed this one sort of hot spot that is constantly aggravated on my left sit bone. And I can't like, it doesn't turn into a full blown sore. Yeah. Saddle sore, which can then get really fucking sketchy, you know, if left untreated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, But it's not like, it's just, it just kind of, it's just always kind of angry, you know, sometimes more angrier than other times, but I just can't do anything about it. So if I could alleviate that, I've been using a pro saddle, um, through my Shimano stuff. It's on my gravel bike and that I like that, but it's just guesswork. I'm basically, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, the same, I'm doing the same thing anybody is doing. I'm just mm-hmm. getting a saddle because I think it looks like it might work, but I don't fucking know. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I did a bunch of trial and error. I worked for a custom bike builder and we had all sorts of stuff around and I was able to do a bunch of trial and error and discover that I have, I have a skinny, I'll show it to you. It's, <laughs> it's just, you can see there's not a lot there. Um, it's a pretty sweet one, I think, but uh, there's not a lot there, but I have wide sit bones. Yeah. Which I, doesn't make sense to me, but I got on a, like the widest um, the first one I got was this, and now I get them just based on the width, but the, it was the widest specialized toupee, or I don't know what the fuck that's called, mm-hmm. um, at the time. And I was like, this is a women's saddle. And I got, I sat down on it and I was like, Steve just ran out of the room. What happened? <laughs> Too much coffee, maybe? <laughs> Uh, but I got this. I got this wide saddle, and I was like, "Oh, this is perfect. This is this is my butt chick." Oh yeah, look at you. Yeah, that's the one I ride. Air gel. Yeah, that's what. So Steve has just brought in a gel. It looks like uh, something um, a drag queen might put down the front of her gown in order to. It is a lot of padding. There's a lot of padding and springs and stuff. It's and it's like. 12 inches wide. Oof. Yeah. That's my new saddle. I That's, am really enjoying I'm, hearing both of you talk about how you reach towards what has been deemed like a women's saddle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause this is like a, this is a really common thing too. Um, a lot of people are, they ask, they're like, what is your opinion on women specific or this or that? And I'm, I'm, I have, I'm sure there's plenty of data supporting reasons why, um, that like women may prim- have wider sit bones or something along those lines. But I do really like this because it kind of always brings it back to this idea that like bodies are bodies. They're all yeah. different and they all yeah. kind of require something different. And there is no just one way. There is no one set thing that will work for every single body. And I think it's really easy to kind of put people in boxes um, and be like, oh, okay, you're this tall, you have this inseam, you're this, 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 like, boom, here's what you need. Here's the bike, here's the stuff. And so um, that's why I kind of, I really enjoy hearing like people just being like, yeah, I tried this thing that like technically wasn't marketed to me or for me, but it is like what works and it's what's comfortable. And mm-hmm. so I really like it because it's just kind of encouraging people to like really get kind of curious about themselves and get curious about what's going to make them feel good. Cause I, when I used to work in the bike shop, that was always my number one thing. It was like, Hey, if you don't feel good on this thing, you're not going to ride it. And if you're not going to ride it, there's really no, you know, it's like, there's kind of no point and like really having those conversations. Yeah. With people and like getting really excited with them about 
this idea of like experimenting. And like I said, not everyone has the resources to do it, but like the shop, the shops that have like the specialized measuring it. I love that the bond tracker has the, what you said, 30 day, you have 30 yeah. days to try it out. Yeah. yeah. And all these saddle libraries, like, <clears throat> I mean, that just with everything, like, you know, these are the, these are the, this is where your body, it's not where the rubber meets, the, it's where your body touches the bike. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's a super important. Yeah. You know, people talk about their brakes and their shifters and all kinds of bullshit all day long, but they're not, but they'll ride around with a saddle sore or they'll ride around with a numb clit. And people think that that's normal. They, they just think yeah. like, oh, well, that's what kind of comes with riding the bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely does not. I've done fittings for uh, women who, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, these are friends of mine who have right, come. Right, I'm, right. Not, I'm not a wizard fitter, but they come and they say, well, I also have, like at the end, they'll say, I also have this issue. I'm like, why are you bringing that? Like, like why, why would you, you only bring, bring that up now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, let's get that taken care of. And that mm-hmm. it could be as simple as saddle tilt. Yep. Uh, or it could be an entirely different saddle or it could be. You know, your whole position on the mm-hmm. bike actually mm-hmm. is wrong. Oh. And oh. if you showed me the, the way you sat on the bike and it produced that, let, let me, me tell you, you're sitting on the bike wrong. So, yep. you know, let's address those things. I've had that on bike rides with other women. They're like, oh, I'm having this issue. There's like a lot of pressure here. And I'm like, well, let's drop your saddle down. And they're like, they get a little like, they're like, well, I don't want it to be like cocked all the way down. And I'm like, no, we're talking like millimeters and, and yeah. like, and then to like adjust it just ever so slightly for them and kind of seeing like their brain exploding a little bit. I've just been <laughs> like, Oh, adjustments aren't always these like big things or a measurable thing that it's like really small little tweaks here and there make a big difference. Mm-hmm. And every, I've been fitted on my own bikes and my, I realized that I'm always riding with my saddle, like a quarter inch too high. Cause then when I get fitted and I, I feel like I'm like, my knees are banging into my chin, you know, but it's like you said, it's millimeters, mm-hmm. right. but it's better on my knees. It's better on my back. It's better on my junk. It's better on, you know, you think you've got five points of contact on a bike. So you've got to do everything you can to make those five points of contact as comfortable as possible. Right. And it's not just about comfort. It's about performance, too. Right. Sure. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But also somebody who, you know, there's been I realize that there's kind of a little bit of a break in period. Like if you're not used to riding a bike. You're not used to sitting on a bike saddle. Like there is nothing you can do to make a bike saddle super, super, super comfortable. There is a little bit of a breakdown period. But then once you get to that point, you've gotten past the breaking period. Then it's a matter of like maintenance and getting you get accustomed to it. And then you and then you, you know, get on with your your life as a cyclist. Um, What was my point? I, got, I lost I lost track of where we I was were, going. We were talking that. about just like how little small adjustments make a big difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. Where, who are so, you? So, <laughs> t- Amanda, tell us a little bit about cotton underwear and how when like Ooh. being free of the chamois. And, and so was there – I just want to hear about like – Yeah. Because I went through a period where I quit the chamois – 
which ended right after I got a vasectomy, which is a funny story. Um, but I want to hear about your experience and like how that, yeah. how that went yeah. for you. I do want to start it out with, um, I can say that I've never spent uh, a lot of money on like what folks would call a really nice chamois. Um, and yep. so I was like, I kind of just bought, but I didn't buy like the really cheap ones. Um, and start, I just kind of slowly went backwards. So I remember the first few chamois felt like these massive diapers. Um, and the first ones that I, I kind of struggled with. Another thing is I'm not sure if you all deal with this, but sometimes with the way the seams are with the padding on the inside, like I would get this like pinching sensation like somebody was literally just like grabbing my labia and just pinching it and and like having to kind of always like move my shit around and yeah Yeah, and like getting it all kind of like figured out um so that was like the the kind of the beginning of me really not enjoying a chamois at all and then from there i would kind of was finding like the most minimal padding that i that i could put up with and then like i said earlier i was really struggling with bb and this the second i skipped the chamois and started going just riding in my just like cotton underwear something that's like high breathability which is something that's really important um airflow airflow Airflow. yeah exactly um i'm definitely not afraid to just be like hey i need air check and just kind of like sit on the top of the mountain with a lovely little breeze um but then it kind of from there i just kind of noticed that the cotton underwear, like, I mean, it's just like, we're talking granny panties here, like something just very comfortable. And then, Mm -hmm. but the seams were starting to become an issue. And so I kind of started trying different materials. So like, so another really great thing, um, a lot of people suggested synthetic brands and I do not do well with synthetic materials. Um, Mm -hmm. They just like, it doesn't matter if it's a shirt, if it's underwear, it doesn't work for me. There's something with the way I, I don't know, way it holds on to bacteria. Um, I just don't do well with that. And so, yeah, I'm actually still kind of figuring it out of like what works for me. Um, I had such a long list of people they gave me, I think I like had a list of 10 different styles of like active underwear that everyone was using. And so far I've, I've bought like five different pairs and I can say that none of them feel good to me. And so again, Mm -hmm. like not to kind of be repeating myself, it's like, it's just one of those things where until you talk about it with other people, you don't even like realize that you have to just try out, out different things. And so I think the next one is, um, they actually make, they're called Waxer. I'm pretty excited about them and they have like a seamless. Yeah. So it's just women boxers. So instead of having the like fold, and like bulgy area, they this omit that completely. Um, and then they have the seam, the way the seams are, they're like seamless, which I think has been a big issue for me is like finding something that doesn't have seams. So right. I'm so happy. I'm chamois free. I'm going to be chamois free for the rest of my life. Like I didn't wear a chamois. I went and did this like 300 mile bike tour, um, the Cape Loop at the southern tip of the Baja Peninsula. I didn't wear a chamois. There was, I had one day where, um, I was like really sweaty and kind of started getting a little bit of the like saddle sores, but luckily it was like a day that we had a break and they went away and then it was a non-issue from there. So bike tours, long bike rides, mountain bike rides, like I'm, I'm about the no chamois lifestyle. (laughs) And you don't have any like, uh, 
you don't ever feel like you're I'm gonna I'm gonna choose my words. Go ahead. You never feel you never feel beat up. Um no, I know that's funny. That's I've actually described that to friends of just being like, I just feel really beat up right now and right. Uh, and sore. Um, not really, to be honest. So, so this was my. But experience. this was also like I've I played with my saddle, so I I yeah, had that yeah, where yeah, my yeah. saddle, like it can't be perfectly flat. It needs to be tilted down a little bit, just like a smidge bit. Yeah. And that was from me just like playing with my saddle placement because it used to be way worse. And so when I skipped the right. saddle, that was something I was like kind of experiencing. Was like, yeah, the the best way I can describe it is just like everything just feels smashed and right, and it's just. I don't know if you can hear this sound, but but like almost no, sandpapery on the the lips, which is who it makes me cringe. That's so um, good. You know, so, oh, I, but yeah, but then when I started just um, adjusting my saddle and I realized that I was putting too much forward pressure, that really went away. But um, I do agree that it def- there's a break in period as well. I'm sure if you're really used to using a chamois, a chamois, and then I wouldn't suggest going for your, you know, 50, 60, 70 mile training ride, like probably I would give the advice to like ease into it, maybe do some You need shorter. to tenderize that, that yeah. stuff before yeah. you, before you really commit <laughs> yeah, to exactly. the whole barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be some I, My experience was I quit chamois mm-hmm. because I was just on my bike all the goddamn time. And it was like, it was just the feeling of having my crotch suffocated yeah. all the time, all Ooh. the time. Yeah. And so I, I gave it up and I was like, you know, fuck it. Like, I'll just, you know, I just tenderize my stuff and I'll be fine. And that, that worked pretty, pretty well, well until, until I got um, a vasectomy. And because I was on the bike all the time, I was like, Doc, how soon can I go back uh, to the bike? And they were like, you should really take... I don't know, six weeks, but I don't think they're like, I was like, you don't know me. Uh, <laughs> but it turns out they were right. Because uh, I got back on the bike like three weeks later and I was like, I must have a chamois. And then I got sort of stuck back in it again. Okay. Uh, funny story about the vasectomy is um, I assume neither of you have had one. Uh, there's a moment because they use a, they don't stitch it. They cauterize. And so you're and you're fully awake, of course. And so you're sitting there and I think you're as I recall it, I was stirruped, which, you know, at least one of you will relate to. Very familiar with that. And, totally then all into of a sudden, <laughs> and only from the club, right? Uh, there's a point where smoke is, is rising, rising from, from your crotch. crotch. Yeah. And you can hear this like Says, oh my god smells like barbecue yeah and my my first thought was like and that's me out of the gene pool <laughs> wow okay. but yeah then getting back on the bike required the chamois yeah chamois great i Did mean you, you know? have have you heard of the sax underwear s-a-x i believe no i think it's two x's is it two x's I think it's extra sexy. I don't know. Have you Sacks, yeah. have you used them? Maybe you. I can describe it to Steve, but maybe if you had used them, maybe you could actually, because he's never heard of them. And that sax is the number one overwhelming thing. Like friends of mine, 
I think at least in Bellingham, there's like a lot of people who use them and they swear by them. And and again, they're they don't wear the chamois; they wear the sacks because it has a pouch area, right? Yep, it, it sequesters your business. Yep, it kind of like uh, I don't. I've never used them, <laughs> so yeah. it, it sounds like it kind of just like packages everything up, kind of nice, tight, and high. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I think that's the key. I, Going back to the chamois was was less about the pad and more about just needing to really determine where everything was going to be. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking up. Yeah, I'm 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 familiar with this style. I don't know. I kind of like the chamois, but like you said, I got to get it off as soon as the ride's over. Like I can't I can't lurk around in in and my I'm, chamois. I'm like a very sweaty person too. Same. Same. And yeah. so. And just having it just act like a sponge, that was, that's something, I've, I've, a sensation that I've not enjoyed on my body. I <laughs> am no. a very sweaty person, so I'm soaked within an hour of any sort of exertion. Mm-hmm. But, I'm, uh, but at least I'm real hairy. And so... <laughs> that absorbs it. Well, that's a, no, it's two great tastes that taste terrible together. Is that why they? Is that why Patrick put us together? Is because we both sweat a ton and we're hairy. That, we, maybe that that was. This is news to me. <laughs> yeah, maybe the Venn diagram of like um, tragic podcasters, pure suit men, and sweaty oafs is like it's a perfect circle. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, uh, <laughs> n- no, it, it's a, a total. But oh, I was gonna. This is, I remember. <laughs> I remounted on a in a cyclocross race, and oh. somehow I landed. My nut, my right nut, was perfectly situated between my thigh and my saddle. Oh yeah, that happens. So all mm. all beautiful 198 pounds of me landed squarely on my right ball. Mm. So there's there's that's my story. I didn't get a vasectomy. <laughs> I gave myself a vasectomy. Yeah, by ball smashing. Um, that reminds me of somewhere in my notes here. I have the question: Who hurts more when they credit card the top tube? Uh, everyone, the world, the world does. There's no, there's no one is worse than the other. Anybody who sees anybody do it, and anybody who does it, and anybody yeah. who, you know hears of anybody doing it. When your when your friend does it, do you laugh? Tell me honestly, who laughs? Well, when I did it, my friend laughed until she realized how bad it was. I oh. actually kind of love a coworker of mine. Okay, so I was riding along, slipped on a route, and I hit the top tube so hard. It, like, knocked the breath out of me. I was, like, crawling into the woods because I was just, like, it was, like, that pain where you can't sit still. And my yeah. friend was, like, laughing. She was like, oh, dude, are you okay? And I was doing the, like, <gasps> <laughs> like couldn't breathe and I was like trying to tell her I'm like I'm not I'm not I'm not okay it took me like a really long time to like catch my breath and then I was like sitting on the saddle back because we still had like a little ways to pedal out and I just remember every little bump hurt so bad we got in the car and I was just sitting there and I was like wow that was really bad and I looked down and I was wearing black bike shorts and I was like oh I think I need to go to the emergency room. And they were like, what? And they looked and I like spread my legs in the back seat and their faces were like, because <gasps> I just had blood. Oh, seep, like 
receiving no. in my shorts. And I was like, okay, this is really bad. I was like, I'm going to run home really quick. And I, I sat down in front of a mirror and like opened my shit up. And I saw this like two and a half inch gash. It was like a whole second vagina in my vagina. Oh my God. And, and I was like, right then and there, I was like, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to pass out. And so I like went to the doctor, um, went into the emergency room. And like, that was a whole funny experience because they came in and they're like, what's going on? And I was like, I hit my top tube and I've got a gash. A I need stitches. And yeah. the first nurse or whoever it was, they're like, okay, well, let's have a look. And I spread my legs and like opened my shit up again. And they were like, <gasps> like even they were like, oh, no. <laughs> and they're like, um, uh, oh, hey, hang on. I'm going to go, I'm going to go get, go get somebody else. And then they came in and same no. reaction. I swear they came in, opened it and they were like, Oh God. And then they were like, I, I think I should go get the gynecologist. And I just remember being like, you know what? Get the whole floor. Cause this is the last time I'm doing this. I, I yelled it at him. They were just kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And then the, and it was amazing. Cause then the gynecologist came in and they looked and they were like, Oh yeah, it's like the inside of your mouth. Give it three days. You won't even be able to tell. Like everyone else was like, <gasps> and then <laughs> she came in and she's like, ah, yeah, I've seen that before. You're fine. Oh, but it was for the two weeks after she was right about three ish days later, just like a wound on the inside of your mouth. It was like fine. non-existent. It was fine, except it was the bruising. Mm-hmm. I had horrible oh, pelvic yeah. bruising. It was all up the front of my pelvis. My sorry. I'm just going to say it. Anytime I pooped, it was this like the pressure was horrible. Oh my God. It was bad. It was all black and blue and oh. I feel like Amanda, I, I all just the wanna, color has left my face. That's <laughs> bad. I just want to congratulate you. This is, this, <laughs> this is, is, I think this, this is, is episode, episode 12, 12 of this podcast, and you have just told the best story of all 12 episodes. Steve <laughs> and I have been like fucking <laughs> shit at a wall have, oh, trying but, to make oh, something but stick. But I have another one. I have another one. No. <laughs> I was like, if you like that, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, a minute ago, I had smoke coming from my crotch, and you were like, "Hold my beer." <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I do love a coworker of mine coined what I did to myself as pinch flatting myself. Oh man, that's cold. But it's all. But it's. I think it's really funny, and it's stuff like that that really makes me appreciate the relationship I have with my coworkers. But so we <laughs> sure. just refer to it as, "Hey, remember that time you pinch flatted yourself?" And it's like, "Ooh, yes, I'll never yeah. forget." <laughs> oh, that's yeah. rough. Uh, can 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 we uh, <laughs> change the subject? No, no, be, but only because we have sort of limited time. I don't know when we started. We started later than usual. But there is another beyond or besides the the topic, uh, which I wanted Amanda to come in and talk with us about today. Uh, I was thinking about this a little while ago. Like, n- n- remember when uh, talking about erectile dysfunction uh, based on saddles? That was like a big thing. And so there was oh, yeah. tons of companies making saddles and they were like people in lab coats at the specialized booth at Interbike and holding clipboards. So they were super official doctory looking doctors talking about pressure points and stuff. But that seems like that's kind of gone away in the last eight years. Nobody really talks about. Uh, well, because they all just take pills to make, they just take boner pills. <laughs> Is that, but did it, was it an, was that a marketing thing that they were trying to push a bunch of different saddle designs and they were putting the fear of people into people about ED or was it actually know. a thing? I, I, 
I don't think there's any control in that experiment. I think it was like older dudes were like, oh, I ride a bike a lot. Now I can't get boners. And then they, they asked, asked the, the general, general population, population uh, how their life was going. They're like, yeah, I can't get boners either. Nobody can get boners. We're too old for boners. Huh. And I, so I don't know whether the bike industry just took advantage of our bonerlessness. Uh, I feel um, like that is kind of on brand for the bicycle industry. Right. But there's probably something to, you know, like your urethra uh, runs um, sort of like down and under. And if you have pressure on it all the time, I do think it does collapse did. in a way that's... According to the internet, he is stored in the balls. Is that right? (laughs) (laughs) Almost every episode, uh, Amanda, Steele and I harm science. (laughs) We actually break science. If you wonder why there's a pandemic, it's because we fucked up science. And it doesn't work anymore. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Oh. I had to get I had to get that out there. God, even that made me sweat. Yeah, yeah, very sweaty and hairy. Okay, um, so that's so that's a, that was a p- potentially there's a good potential that that was a marketing ploy. There's I sure if you're riding your bike eight hours a day and you're smashing your uh, perineum, you're probably going to have some nerve stuff, but. It just, it was like a big deal and there was magazine articles and there was ads and there was all kinds of stuff. And then it just kind of went away. Yeah. I don't know why that is. I think it, maybe it's because everyone who struggled with it got a uh, saddle with a cutout or a channel in it or whatever. And maybe that was the, well, yeah, so solved it. I don't, I don't really know. Hmm. I mean, I think, I think the, the honest truth is, and like, I'm going to run an ultra marathon this weekend. So I'm a, I'm part of this stupid problem but how many you know, how many miles is that uh 31 jesus but um you know idiots like us do too much of all the good things and when you do too much of too much of the good things you have like repetitive use boner problems and you pinch flat your own uh lady bits like that's just what happens that's the collateral that's that's the ante to play this poker game. It is a little bit of a, a collateral damage, maybe. Yeah. Hmm. I, and also in my notes, I have chamois butter. Never used it. You, Amanda's giving two thumbs up. Would you use chamois butter in a non-chamois application? Because I would. Yep, absolutely. Um do you have to have like a ball dick set up to have a gooch? Because I feel like it's the same thing, right? No, okay. I just wanted to make sure because I feel like anytime I'm like my gooch and everyone kind of gives me this look no, and they're like, I got one too. It's the taint. Yeah. Um, that on like when it's like really hot on like warm days, I find that it's not, it's, it's more when it's like hot and warm out. Um, yeah. I absolutely apply it. And I still, I still like to apply it to like my cheeks, my butt cheeks too, even without the, it just makes everything glide really nice. I mean, I like, like to, to apply it. Yeah. That's separate from riding a bike. I just like, like to apply it. It, it's, <laughs> it feels nice. Yeah. Especially when it's hot and it goes on kind of cold. It's lovely. Oh, refreshing. It's slippy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've known people who who just, they don't use chamois butter, but they prefer uh, KY, actually. 
Oh. Is that that's a real thing? Yeah, that people use KY or that yeah yeah I, yeah that's what I've heard. I mean, I've heard I've heard more people reference using KY than than. I mean, they're all just butter, personal actually. lubricants, right? Yeah, as opposed to you, social lubricants. Is there like have they shared an advantage to that? Like, does it like no. stay longer or uh, maybe I know with like chamois butter I like to bring those little the little tubes along and like on like I said on warm days I, I'm a little I like packet. to reapply maybe maybe there is more uh, maybe the advantage is that there Less are lotion-y. fewer ingredients it's just oh. it's super hypoallergenic it's super sensitive to your parts uh, I, I think that's that's what my guesstimation was. Okay. I like the t- I like the idea that in wintertime you could use the warming one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that imp- accidentally put a bunch of imbrication in your shorts, or purposefully. Uh, I've definitely done that. I stay away from all of it. I don't put anything on me. No, no lube, no butter, no imbrication, no nothing. When you're as hairy as we are, you really can't. You know, just getting then you're all giving shit. yourself it gets, a job afterwards. It's gross. It's mad. Yeah. <laughs> then you need like baking soda and some kind of weird comb. It's that's a grooming ritual nobody wants to be part of. The perils of being. Isn't that the Italian. last scene in Caligula? They they have there's just baking soda and a fine tooth comb and they're just cleaning them anyway. Sorry, gross, John. Not appropriate. I think. Oh, let me say this. Oh, God, I pulled a muscle in my back yesterday and it hurts to do anything. I'll start with saying by saying that. But I think in the 11 episodes that we've done this thus far, this is the one where we actually said some stuff. We got, we got some, some information, information to the people. Amanda hope, did. Yeah, well, we should yeah. have more grownups on our show. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't actually do anything. No, it was, no. It was Amanda. Amanda told the best, did. grossest, funniest story. Which is we've been trying to do forever, <laughs> and she gave the most useful information. Uh-huh. <laughs> I yeah. told next I week to just hear Amanda. <laughs> You're gonna take oh, no. over next week. It's just gonna be you <laughs> talking by yourself. You really will start losing listeners, and, and we'll we'll just. <laughs> You'd have to have some to lose some, Amanda. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, wow. Well, we did it. We did it again. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And um, thank you for having me. Thank you for showing up. Mm -hmm. My God, this is awesome. Let's do it again. Come Come back. back. Yeah. Yeah. If there's anything else you'd like to talk about. I mean, I just love to talk. We like to talk. (laughs) We like to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to Revolting. If you have questions for us or topics you want us to pontificate on, uh, email me, Stevel, at Stevel, uh, I mean, sorry, Stevel at Cycling Independent. Uh, if you like this or any of the other fun stuff you find on the cyclingindependent.coms, please consider a voluntary paid subscription. Uh, it's the only way we have to pay ourselves. For the price of one top ramen a day, you could buy robot or me another top ramen <laughs> wow <laughs> fantastic we're really shooting for the stars aren't we <laughs> tastes like chicken kinda <laughs> uh, well uh, thank you as always uh, oh, the music in the intro and the outro is Who Rides the Tiger from Long Beach uh, uh, 
uh, what's his name? Uh, Bill from Who Rides the Tiger. He has another project that he is working on currently uh, that is like Who Rides the Tiger, but even angrier, uh, called Ozorn, and they can be found on their band camp. Uh, so, yeah, what a fucking A. Yeah, there it is. There it is. And, and while we're at it, don't forget to, to suck, suck it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.